Coming up on this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the long-awaited full self-driving capability subscription option arrives. Full self-driving beta nine is out in the wild with a small group of beta testers. Elon Musk gives a couple of significant Cybertruck updates as well as information about V4 supercharging and more. Welcome, friends, to Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for July 18th, 2021. It's episode 311 alongside Daisy the Boxer. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and I had a great time last weekend at the monthly Google Hangout for the Maximum Plaid tier Patreon backers. So thanks to all of you who were able to make that. We've been having really fun chats every month about all things Tesla. And my goodness, was it a busy Tesla news week this week. I was planning the show. You know, I try to lock down the show like Thursday night and then, okay, if anything pops up Friday. But Friday night, I was all set to record. I was like, all right, I'm just going to feed Daisy give her her heart medicine, and then I'm going to sit down and try and get started on this. And then I get a text from a Tesla source with an internal email detailing the rollout of the long-anticipated full self-driving monthly subscription option. And then it just went public immediately. It's out on the on your app right now. So I had to scramble, update my notes, and here we go. Let's just get started right away. So here it is, full self-driving monthly subscription option. You can find it in the upgrades section of your Tesla app if you don't already have FSD. Obviously, if you already do, it's not going to be there because there's nothing to subscribe to. If you want to learn more, you can go to tesla.com slash support slash full dash self dash driving dash subscriptions. Now, uh, you're wondering, of course, what is the cost? It is $199 a month for people who have not spent any money on it yet. And if you have a enhanced autopilot uh, capability already on your car, meaning basically, because this is only in the US for now, not nothing in Europe yet. So this means that uh, if you have a 2018, 20, even 20 to 2019 Model 3, uh, then you may be eligible if you already have enhanced autopilot, in which case the full self-driving subscription is $99 a month. Now, I don't get every prediction right on this podcast. As you know, if you've been listening for a while, every New Year's, New Year's Eve, whatever the first show or last show of the last year, first show of the new year is, I'll do my subs- my subscriptions, my predictions for the new year about each car and what I think might happen with each car that year. And I always score them. I go back the next year and I say, okay, well, how many points did I get if I if I were to grade myself on last year's predictions? And I don't get them all right, but I did get this one. It is $199 a month, exactly as I thought it would be. Just financially, if it's if it were less than that, then just nobody would ever buy the $10,000 option. And, and Elon has said repeatedly over time that he thinks the full price $10,000 is the better value in the long haul. And as it stands, if you do the monthly subscription, it would take four years and a couple of months to get to $10,000 worth. So, you know, it all depends on 
If you find value in what's offered in the full self-driving package to begin with, and then if you do, how long do you plan on keeping the car? If you're somebody that's gonna upgrade your Tesla in three to five, even six years, you might think, well, then maybe I'll just do the subscription, uh, maybe not six years, maybe you're kind of in the three to five year range, it might behoove you instead to do the subscription, since as of now, you still can't transfer over a fully paid $10,000 full self-driving package. But uh, I do think that if you are gonna do this, then you know, you're, you've gotta think short-term, really, because long-term it is still going to be easier to go ahead and pay the 10K given that four-year, two-month timeline. But I suspect this is gonna bring in not just a lot of new buyers, people who are just taking delivery of their Teslas and, and will know about this as they order their car from here forward, but also existing owners who, as I said, were looking for an upgrade. Maybe they've got an older one that they wanna to go to a newer one, maybe a three, they wanna to go to a Y as their family gets larger, or you know they've got an older S, they wanna to go to a plaid S, but they don't wanna drop another 10,000 on full self-driving, even even if maybe they paid seven or 8,000. Still, it's, it's money that's, uh, that's sunk into that car that can't transfer over. So there's that to consider. Now, I should also add that if you don't already have the full self-driving computer, AKA Hardware 3, in your car, so that means that's gonna apply to anybody March 2019 or earlier, which I would be in that group with a July 2018 car but since I went ahead and purchased the full self-driving after purchase when it was on quote-unquote sale back in early 2019, that enabled me to get my upgraded computer from hardware 2.5 to hard hardware 3. But if you are in that boat and you don't already have hardware 3, you're going to have to spend $1,500 on that computer upgrade before you can start your subscription, before you're able to do that monthly subscription. Buying it outright at the $10,000 does also get you the new full self-driving computer. So factor that in as well as you think about this. Now, there are unanswered questions. First of all, uh, and really the kind of the big one that comes to mind right away, if you subscribe for some amount of time and decide you wanna go ahead and then buy it outright, do you still have to pay the full 10K or will you get credited from what you've already spent? I know that's probably pretty unlikely, but it's a valid question and it would be worth having that clarified. I tried tweeting Elon as of recording and it's been a couple hours or so since I tweeted that and I haven't heard a response and you know, don't expect to necessarily. Usually I find if he replies, it tends to be pretty quick, but not always. Anyway, uh, while it looks like the that monthly is the only option now, here's another question. Is a yearly option coming at a maybe slightly better monthly price if you do a 12-month commitment? Or conversely, will there be a weekly subscription option or a weekend subscription option for a, you know, a long drive somewhere? Maybe, maybe not, but that's what I still want to know. Now, I'm curious as I go through this and, and you're hearing all this and looking at it in your app thinking, well, should I do it? Do I want to try it? I am curious, does this sway any of you who have not yet spent the money on this? I, I, it's not a loaded question, I promise. There's no wrong answer here, uh, yes or no. I'm just genuinely curious. 
about how people who have not spent the money yet, who are staring down the barrel of 10 grand for this, when the actual full self-driving still isn't here, we've got the full self-driving City Streets Beta 9, which I'm going to talk about in a second, but that is not rolled out wide to everyone, and it is still very much a beta. So I'm just kind of curious how people are... I wish I could implant a poll into this podcast that you could just easily click on. I suppose I could put one up on Twitter, uh, but eh, maybe I'll do that at some point over the weekend so that uh, I guess the show goes up on Sunday. So maybe I'll try to do that on Sunday or Monday if you're interested in voting on that. Not that, not that a Twitter poll means too much, but anyway... A final side note on this. The announcement here settles a bet. I think I mentioned this on the podcast when it happened, but my friend Eli Burton, who runs My Tesla Adventure out here in California, does a wonderful job of coordinating a lot of cool events for Tesla owners. He does the Starman comic. He's a great guy, just an absolute sweetheart of a man. Uh, He and I had a friendly bet that we made very publicly on Twitter when when the topic of the full self-driving monthly subscription came up. I said, there's no way it's going to be less than 200 bucks. He said, I think it's going to be $100. And I said, well, why don't we bet on it, but for charity? And so uh, I'm not like thrilled to beat him, thrilled to win this, that, that it's you know, I would love it if the full self-driving monthly option was $100, was $99 a month, but I didn't. Th- I thought that would have been too good to be true. It turns out I was correct on that. So Eli Burton, he owes me uh, $100 bet to charity, which he has already made good on. Uh, he acted very quickly. We were exchanging tweets. He's a good man, as I said. He squared up immediately. He asked me, all right, well, what charity? And I thought about it, and I said, well, you know what? I've been sort of lightly involved over the years with Northern California Boxer Rescue, NorCal Boxer Rescue, which is uh, their website, if you're curious, NCBR, as in Northern California Boxer Rescue, .org, if you're ever curious to take a look at their website. And in the spirit, uh, he, he, he paid up right away, and in the spirit of good sportsmanship, as well as my own love for boxers, I went ahead then and matched his $100 because I figured, you know what? This was just a fun, silly internet bet. I'm glad that we could just take this this fun, silly thing and turn it into a little positive, turn it into a way to actually help boxers in need. So thank you to Eli for being a man of your word. I know you're listening, my friend, and you're the best. So thank you for that. But let's move on now. That was the big late-breaking news of the week. My previous headline topic that I had all all written up in my notes is what I'm going to talk about now, and that is, as mentioned a moment ago, full self-driving City Streets Beta 9 did indeed go out to that same very small group of external testers. So as I recorded last week, and I thought, well, there's no guarantee that it's going to go out, given the timelines that we've had that keep getting pushed back and pushed back, it did go out. Not It's not the button. We don't all have access to voluntarily download it yet, but that small, very small group of external testers does have it, and they are putting up a ton of videos. And first, I want to say congratulations to the autopilot team, because this is a big milestone in their very just overarching, grand, epic, noble quest 
to try and get this out to everybody, to get it to a place where they can push it out wide to anybody with full self-driving that wants to push that button and say, yes, I'd like to, I'd like to participate in this and it's, it's safe enough and it's reliable enough to do so. So I've spent the week watching a number of the testers videos and I'm not sure if you have, and if you haven't, that's okay. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to consume all this stuff to absorb it like a sponge and then hopefully process it and, and deliver the information to you in a way that's in a fun format and is val- and is uh, respectful to your time and is valuable to you. So I watched a bunch of the videos and the consensus from the testers thus far seems to be that it is at worst on par overall with the previous beta, which was 8.2. But mostly it's better in just about every way. And when you just take stock of that statement for a second, now, granted, that's my interpretation of other people's opinions and sort of my my interpretation of the consensus. So, you know, I'm not stating this as fact here. This is this is my take on it. But considering that Tesla just revamped this into a vision only product as part of this massive undertaking to pull off full self-driving in urban environments with unprotected lefts and and traffic lights and stop signs and crosswalks and pedestrians and all kinds of stuff. The fact that they have rewritten this into a vision only product that in and of, and and it's, it's as good or better and probably better in most ways than the previous beta just a what, six months ago, that in and of itself is pretty impressive. So I salute the autopilot team here. That is awesome. So, uh, And speaking of which, before I keep talking about this, there was a little update from Elon on this topic on Twitter. He said, quote, FSD beta nine is using the pure vision production code for highway driving beta 10, hopefully beta 11, definitely will use one stack to rule them all city streets, highway and complex parking lots. So A, there's more work to be done here in linking the entire system together into one giant stack instead of three smaller ones. But two, what's jumping out at me in that tweet is complex parking lots. What I am hoping Elon means by that is smart summon. Because again, here's my opinion, but I know this is shared by many in the community. I won't say, I would never say I speak for everyone at all, but I am certainly of the opinion where I, I've, I, I've tried smart summon a number of times. Not ever. I just, I'll kind of get turned off to it because I'll try it and it'll do something that scares me a little or, or is really slow or, or something. And then I'll just say, I ah, forget it. This isn't worth it. I'll just walk out to my car. And every, every so often I'll try it again. And I even tried it. The last time I tried it was on the way out of the plaid event. So it was the, the event was over. I was, I was one of the last people still hanging around and I go out to my car. So there, the the parking lot's not full of cars, but there are cars around. And I thought I I was walking out with, with a friend of mine. uh, And I thought, okay, let me, let me go ahead and try it. Cause the car, I can see the car. It's over there. Let me try smart summon. And this car starts to come towards me and, and then it kind of dips into some empty parking spots 
and starts to get close to another park car. And I just I just let my finger off the button at that point. For, forget it. Forget it. This experiment's over again. So I'm hoping that when Elon says uniting, you know, one stack to rule them all, city streets, highway and complex parking lots. My hope is that Smart Summon is finally going to get some love and attention because in my humble opinion, it needs it. It is it is a party trick, but not even a reliable one. Because the last thing I want to do is is bang up my you know the the my car that I've put so much time and money and love into to to afford and to buy, or and and or do the same to, to anyone else's car is to bump my car into their car with nobody in the driver's seat. So anyway, here's hoping that Smart Summon is is going to be part of that stack coming up, which is which is how I'm interpreting Elon's tweet there. Now, uh, getting back to FSD City Streets Beta Nine. I watched a ton of videos, as I said, and there is a lot to like, a lot to like, but it is still very much a beta, which to be fair, Elon repeatedly cautioned prior to releasing it to the testing group. He've said on publicly multiple times, Hey, this is just a beta. Be super careful with it. One of the testers, cause the, the testers are scattered. It seems like I will say thinking about it now, just off the cuff here, like, I don't, I don't think anybody in New York has it. Because I haven't seen any videos of it in Manhattan, for instance. Seems like most people are in the West, but not everybody. Uh, not Definitely not everybody. There were a few people posting from more rural environments. But one of the testers did take the car to San Francisco, my backyard, my city, and filmed a video. And, uh, well, it's uh, it did not go well. Let's just put it that way. That was, of all the videos I watched, they were all pretty impressive. Again, I want to be clear about that. It was really impressive overall. But the San Francisco video, that was the one I watched where it legitimately gave me anxiety to watch it. Because, uh, A, I like knew everywhere the car was going. So I'm like, okay, I know where that is. But the car made several, in, in a span of like an 11 minute video, several very dangerous, very sudden reactions. And it started right off the bat. The, the, the person taking the video, they turn on FSD beta and the car swerved into a bus lane and then s- figured out, oh, I'm not supposed to be here and swerved back. So it did not get off to a good start. And there were some other moments in the video that that just gave me, just made put me into a cold sweat as somebody who lives and drives in San Francisco. But again, I don't want to get too down on it. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I just want to kind of point out the good and the bad. It's I hope that's not what you're hearing from me is that I'm down on it because I just think and, and hopefully if you've been listening to me long enough, you know that I think it's very, very important to give as balanced and even handed of a perspective on all this stuff as possible. I'm an enthusiast. Absolutely. But a fair Fair uh, shake on everything is vital because if I do nothing but praise, then that praise begins to lose any meaning. If I do nothing but criticize, well, why would I even be doing this if I were going to do nothing but criticize? It's a balance. It's a balance. But anyway, the bottom line here is that this is a tough problem to solve. We all know that. We don't have to be autopilot engineers to know that. It's so tough 
that no one in the history of cars has ever done it. Tesla is trying to break new ground here. But uh, after watching that San Francisco video, I could not help but wonder, and this may be an unfair thing to say, so I want to caveat by saying this, to grain of salt on this, but that San Francisco video did make me wonder if a wider public release, a.k.a. the button, is only a month away, because that... That San Francisco one was uh, was rough, but but the other ones were really good. That's the thing. I I'm gonna be really curious to see how fast Tesla iterates on Beta Nine now that they've got the Vision Only system in place. My hope is that these videos that these testers are making, and that obviously Tesla is seeing, and they're tapping into these cars to get a you know under the hood look at what the computer is doing, what the system's doing. The, this real-world data that Tesla is getting from these external beta testers, my hope is that that data is being rapidly absorbed and rapidly learned from. Would I love to get my hands on the beta, even though it did some scary stuff in one video in San Francisco? Yes. Uh, yes, I would, because I would like to experience it for myself uh, I, I do drive all over the Bay Area, not just in San Francisco. And that's really one thing I think that's probably going to be true just moving forward, whether it's a beta or not. And that is it, it's probably going to work. It's going to seem like it works better and it might actually not like literally work better, but there are just areas that are, it's probably going to be easier. Like I'll, I'll give you an, an example. I am from New Jersey, but largely grew up in Arizona in the greater Phoenix area, the East Valley. And if you go there, if you've ever been there, it is flat. The streets are all wide. There are, there's a, a middle turning lane almost everywhere. Nothing's, almost nothing's one way. It's, it's, it's all grid-like. There's just, it's a very simple layout. And I say that in a complimentary way, by the way. It's very, it's, you know, it's not difficult to drive there. The way that San Francisco being this, you know, 19th century city that's kind of built up and evolved over a century and a half has has is just an annoying city to drive in. So different areas are just going to, you know, you get somebody in San Francisco that has FSD, uh, you know, in six months from now, whenever it actually rolls out, you know, hopefully sooner than that. But you know, let's just say in, you know, a year from now when it's out wide. And somebody in San Francisco uses it and thinks, oh yeah, okay, this system I see, it's pretty neat, but yeah, you know, I gotta really, I gotta really babysit it, and it's uh, it does some weird stuff sometimes. Whereas somebody in in Scottsdale, Arizona, <laughs> might go, wow, this is amazing. It just works great. It just hits all the lights and makes the left the the left turn does everything. It's it's nice and easy. This is phenomenal. So I do think we're gonna see that sort of difference in in interpretation for how people feel about the full self-driving city streets once it actually rolls out, just based on where you live. I mean, that's just, that's natural. But anyway, uh, one more thing I want to comment on with this, because I know I'm talking for quite a while here. The UI visualization, the driving visualization, talked about it last week, and now, sure enough, with the beta out, there is a new UI driving visualization. And it seems like I wasn't too far off in my prediction of what that meant last week, the whole mind's eye thing. So it is very much cleaned up from 
that beta 8.2, and it now looks, just visually speaking, on your screen like it's ready for public release. You've got different color lines on there that mean different things. For instance, red lines on the screen indicate the edges of the drivable area for the car, like curbs, medians, etc. And the mind's eye portion of it, it turns out, is the is referring to the areas that the vision system isn't complete, like it sees, but it isn't completely confident in identifying at that moment what, and what you know what's going on. So that those are rendered a bit blurry compared to the clear lines of what it knows it's seeing. Almost looking at think of it like almost kind of your peripheral vision in a sense, or if you're a video gamer like me kind of like the fog of war in a real-time strategy video game where you can't really quite see too well in the place that you haven't actually walked to and been yet, you know? So, and, and I have to say, after watching a bunch of these videos and, and seeing the new driving visualization in action, it seems like a smart way to render it. I really like what Tesla's doing with it. And it does indeed take up more of your screen when FSD is activated. When it's not, the map takes up the majority of the screen. But when you turn it on, that left side of the screen, the driving driving visualization moves over and takes up a bigger chunk and leaves the map with a smaller space so that you've got, you know, you can see more of what the car's seeing in that mind's eye visualization on the screen. So uh, it's, you know, it's, it just, I think what's smart about it is because in an instant, you can see what the car confidently sees versus what it's not currently as confident in seeing. So that kind of in a, in a quick glance will tell you, oh, I need to be extra attentive here because it's not really seeing what's going on ahead of me and to the left, sort of maybe where there's a, a road that's curving towards you or something like that, you know? So I like what they're doing with the visualization on this. So We'll see. We'll see when uh, more people get admitted into the beta. If they're gonna, if they're gonna admit a, another group, or if it's just going to go out wide in you know a month or so with the button. So we'll see about that. And then uh, obviously, once whenever I do get it, whenever that happens, I will certainly have more to say about it once I've experienced it for myself. Let's keep going, though, because there is a lot to talk about in the world of Tesla news this week. Here's a fun one. The Cybertruck is reportedly going to be utilizing Samsung Electromechanics camera modules, according to new reports. This story comes via Tesla Roddy, who writes, The potential deal between Tesla and Samsung is worth over $400 million, According to reports from news outlets in South Korea, including the Korea Economic Daily, Tesla and Samsung have reached a deal to have camera supply modules that will be outfitted on the new Tesla Cybertruck, which they say will begin production in late 2021, but let's keep keep going there. The deal is worth $435.7 million, according to KED. The cameras will take the place of the rear view and side view mirrors two things that have been absent on prototype versions of the Cybertruck in the few public appearances that the vehicle has made since its November 2019 unveiling. So again, first off, I had to stop and go. I respectfully think that Tesla Roddy probably should have added the phrase originally scheduled to in front of 
begin production in late 2021. But that's just the journalist in me talking that can't help himself. But anyway, uh, when I read the headline for this story, I thought it was a deal for the surrounding eight autopilot cameras. I was stopped in my tracks while reading this and got to the part about the side view mirrors. But I went to the source link from Teslarati, where they link back to their source at the Korea Economic Daily. And while that Korea Economic Daily story was admittedly their own English translation of the original Korean language story, they are pretty clear about it. So what does that mean? Tesla seemingly must be fairly confident that the NHTSA is going to approve side view cameras in place of mirrors. Finally, I mean, Europe has already done this. I've talked about that on the podcast before. You may be already aware. And the good news here is that Tesla is far from the only automaker that wants cameras approved in place of side view mirrors. So hopefully Tesla knows something we don't about behind closed door discussions in the U.S. government here. And that's why they're confidently moving ahead with this deal. By the way, if it did get approved, if if cameras in lieu of side view mirrors did get approved by the U.S. government, I don't think it would be just the Cybertruck and the Roadster, which are the two prototypes that Tesla currently has that aren't in production yet, that both lack side view mirrors. Though, I mean, I guess the Tesla Semi kind of goes in that group, but the two prototypes, I guess, yeah, the two Tesla Semi prototypes didn't have side view mirrors at the unveiling, but they have had to put them on while out in the real world doing testing, which of course, as you know, that the Tesla Semis have been out a lot doing a lot of real world testing, whereas the Cybertruck and Roadster prototypes aren't really out working. They're just show cars for the most part. Anyway, my point is, is that if the U.S. government approves the use of cameras in place of side view mirrors, the Cybertruck can go into production without wing mirrors. The Roadster can go into production without them. The Semi might be subject to different regulations since it's a different class of vehicle. I'm honestly not sure. But I also think that the S... X, 3, and Y might get side view cameras as well, because if Tesla is suddenly ordering like a million and a half plus cameras a year for the whole fleet, actually, no, scratch that, make that 3 million plus, since each car has two, <laughs> it has two cameras for on one on each side. But in that scenario, the more cars that Tesla rolls this out to, Tesla would probably get a pretty nice volume discount from their supplier, in this case, Samsung. And just maybe the cost of adding additional screens to the interior on the high volume, lower price vehicles, the three and the Y, because you'd need to have two little screens on the left and right sides of the interior so that you could look over and see what the those cameras are seeing. And maybe that uh, would, you know, would maybe that's not going to be financially viable. I don't know. That's that's kind of where I struggle with it. It's like, well, where's the trade-off there? But I do think they would at least do it on the S and the X. I'm very confident they would they would do it there. They would also get the benefit of whichever cars they were to do that with. If I remember Elon's last estimate on this correctly, this may be from years ago, 
but I think Elon has said it would be about a 5% range increase if thanks to the improved aerodynamics without the mirrors on there. That's how much drag the mirrors have, which if you're talking about a long-range Model S that's 400 miles, well, suddenly that's 20 more miles and you've got a 425-mile range car instead of a 405-mile range car. So that's that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a, that's a nice improvement there on the Arrow. Speaking of the Cybertruck... Elon, apparently, he must have heard me lamenting last week on the podcast, saying that, uh, my, my opinion, that it seems like he doesn't tweet much about Tesla anymore, because he spoke rather candidly about the Cybertruck on Twitter this week. He said, quote, to be frank, there is always some chance that Cybertruck will flop because it is so unlike anything else. I don't care. I love it so much, even if others don't. Other trucks look like copies of the same thing, but Cybertruck looks like it was made by aliens from the future. And then he later added, quote, In the end, we kept the production design almost exactly the same as the show car, meaning the prototype. Just some small tweaks here and there to make it slightly better. No door handles. The car recognizes you and opens the door. Having all four wheels steer is amazing for nimble handling and tight turns. End quote. Well, very interesting here. I'm honestly not sure how he could possibly say that it's going to flop when there are more reservations for the Cybertruck than any Tesla has ever had before. In fact, I would, I don't, I guess I'm not privy to the numbers, but I would make a confident wager, talking about wagers on this podcast, that the Cybertruck has more reservations than any previous Tesla than any of them combined, SX3 or Y. Now, I know that's not the most fair comparison because the Cybertruck is a $100 reservation deposit, whereas the Model 3 was $1,000. The Model Y was a, I think, gosh, I'm blessed. Was it a $2,500 order or maybe it's $1,000? Somewhere in there. And then the S and the X were, I mean, the S was five grand back in the early days, and I think the X was too. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I just, it, it's clear that the Cybertruck is going to do well for at least a few years, just for the orders they have, even if they only fill half of the orders. If, if half of the orders convert to real orders, half of the reservations, I should say. But, you know, maybe the other way to interpret it, what Elon's saying is that it could, quote-unquote, flop if it can't live up to the promised price and or specs. Because $40,000 for a base model, 250-mile range truck, and at the other end, $70,000 for a 500-mile range tri-motor truck that can do 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds both of those are extraordinarily impressive at their respective ends of the spectrum. The tri-motor truck for the what you're getting for just $70,000 and the fact that the base model is only $40,000 for you know, a reasonable 250-mile range. I mean, I'll tell you, if I, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself here from podcasts past, but as I, as I, you know, I was lucky enough to be at the Cybertruck unveiling, but what I want to say is that the $40,000 base price 
that moment in the reveal, you can go back and look at it on Tesla's YouTube and you'll see, you'll hear it. That moment when they said starting at 39,990 drew by far the biggest collective gasp from the crowd that night. So it's a big deal. So if that, you know, it can only flop if it just can't meet those, you know, if it ends up being way more expensive on both the low end and high ends. Now, not to get too pessimistic here, but there's, there's reason to believe that that could happen. Not saying it will, and I hope it won't, but the fact of the matter is something that none of us could see in November of 2019 when the Cybertruck was unveiled, raw materials costs have gone up quite a lot since November of 2019. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things go between now and when production starts in another, you know, hopefully five, six months from now. Now, I'm not suggesting anything here, that the prices are definitely going to go up. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just trying to dig deep for why Elon could even suggest that a flop could be in the cards when he knows the reservation numbers. The community is just speculating on them. This community speculation is that they're over a million reservations, $100 refundable reservations. Tesla has the real numbers, so they know for sure. Elon knows, but we'll see. Now, I also want to address his, I don't care, I love it so much, even if others don't comment. And what I want to say about this is that I cannot tell you how much I respect, admire, and absolutely applaud that comment. The entire world, particularly the business world of consumer products, tends to play things way too safe these days, at least on a mass market scale, right? There are plenty of wonderful, like smaller niche products, low volume things, but when you're talking about something like a car, that's a, that's a mass produced thing. Everything these days is focus tested to, to, to heaven and back to make sure that it appeals to the absolute highest number of potential buyers. And I, I absolutely think that applies to the car industry as well. But boldness like the Cybertruck is a great thing. You get a, you take a higher risk if you are Tesla, but you also get a greater potential reward. And I'm not saying that the Cybertruck is definitely going to be a smash hit. It might come out and get panned in reviews. People might hate it like they hated the Pontiac Aztec, which is a another sort of widely regarded ugly vehicle. I mean, no company is perfect. I think Apple's a good example here. Like Apple has certainly operated this way in the past where they have, and many times over the years, there would be people that argue they don't do it as much now in the post-Jobs era, but Apple over the years has certainly taken a lot of creative risks with their products over the years, and it hasn't always worked for them. There have been Apple products that just haven't, they've flopped, they haven't worked. But that's the mindset that I want to see from Tesla, that I get excited about. I mean, think about it. If Tesla had focus tested a swath of people who would have obviously been under an ironclad NDA about the Cybertruck that they would have been shown ahead of the reveal, if, if Tesla had brought in general public people under NDA, confidentiality agreements, 
I think it is highly unlikely that Tesla would have gone ahead with it if they had, you know, said, well, we want to see what people think of this before we actually move forward with building a prototype and announcing this thing. If it would have had to pass through any kind of design committee or board of director approval, which, you know, Tesla doesn't have that stuff. I'm saying it at sort of other normal, most other car, uh, not just car companies, but, you know, consumer product companies. If it had had to go through a process like that, it probably would have been killed before we ever saw it. And, and as I've said many, many times before, I hated the Cybertruck when it first rolled out. I was there, it rolled out. I was, I was on, uh, I was closest to the, I was on the side of the stage, the side of the room that the, the garage door opened and the fog machine kicked up and this, and the Cybertruck rolled out and then went up onto the stage. So I was, I got a good look at it real quick and I was, I was horrified by what I saw. I talked about it on the podcast. If you go back and listen to the podcast that I did right after the Cybertruck reveal, it's all on tape. It's all there. But uh, over the next couple of days, the function won over the form for me. And I know for a fact that that happened with a lot of you as well. I heard from you. And the fact is, Love it or hate it, the Cybertruck is a bold product, and I appreciate that about it. I mean, the last stainless steel car, my beloved DeLorean, that was bold too, because at that time, 1981 was when it went into production, obviously it was conceived and drawn up in the late 70s, stainless steel had never been done on a production car, a production car. The fact is, at that point in time, Planned obsolescence was baked into the business model in Detroit. We we expect these cars to rust out and die in, you know, five to whatever years, five, seven years, and we want people to have to buy a new one. And here was John DeLorean, the father of the muscle car, the creator of the GTO, coming out with his own car that that was, in his words, something that he wanted to outlive its owner. By the way, if you ever want to read more about John DeLorean, his autobiography, just called DeLorean, which was written in like 85. It was, you know, it was written not long after everything happened with DeLorean Motor Company. It's very interesting. Anyway, now the DeLorean obviously failed and it failed for a number of other reasons, not its boldness. Its boldness was not what killed it. There were many other bad decisions. But anyway, my point is, we need more CEOs of major companies, including car companies, to build something that, as Elon said, build something that they love, that they love, rather than something that they just think other people will love. You've got to build something that you love. I mean, in, in my own tiny, teeny, tiny little way, that's what this podcast is. I started doing, I didn't do it to, to build an audience and to, you know, to try and become like internet famous. I built it and that's, that, not that that's happened. It's, <laughs> I have a wonderful, awesome group of people that listen to this podcast, all of you out there, and I'm incredibly grateful for anyone giving me an hour plus of their week to listen to this every week. But, but that was, you know, that was what I wanted to do. You could ask my wife, like I, I just wanted to make something that I loved. And the idea, as I've said before, it was this podcast, it is a, 
It is an enthusiast Tesla radio show every week. You know, I've got the bumpers with the music and the segments. I want it to feel like a Tesla radio show every week. And that because that's what I love. And it's and it so happens that other people, though you guys out there have you like it too. You know, it's for for whatever your reason, whether you just want the information, whether you you laugh at the times that I that I misspeak or <laughs> slip up or whatever it is. You know, you've got it, you've everybody's got their different reason for listening to this. But it's great that you do. And it's but I do it because I, you know, I wanted to make something that I love. And I just respect the heck out of Elon and Franz and the team at Tesla for building something that they love. And and guess what? I'm now I've now been completely won over by the Cybertruck. It didn't take long. I love the Cybertruck. I would buy one if it if it were a physical fit in my life. It's not and that's okay. But I love the Cybertruck and I am glad that Tesla is building it. Now, with regard to the door handles, it looks like I was right about the Model X style door handles from when this subject about door handles, no door handles had come up from Elon, what, maybe a month ago, something like that. Except it sounds like there won't even be a button that looks like a door handle the way that there is on the Model X. It's just seemingly going to sense the phone key nearby and either pop the door open like the Mustang Mach-E does or actually open it all the way like a virtual chauffeur like the Model X does. I mean, as Elon likes to say, the best part is no part. So there will be no door handle. The Model S style self-presenting door handles that are on the prototype Cybertruck are out. Now, here's one question that I'm uh, a natural follow-up. Will the Cybertruck have the Model X's auto-close feature for the door when you put your foot on the brake? Because, I mean, I'd be inclined to think no, just based on the low base price of the of the Cybertruck. But then again, that technology that's been in the Model X since day one will be six plus years old by then. So, it may very well be that every Cybertruck does have that same virtual, you know, invisible chauffeur functionality that the Model X has. I can tell you that at literally every Model X owner I have ever met absolutely loves that feature. Specifically, not I'm not even talking about the auto opening per se, but specifically the step on the brake and the door closes automatically. Every X owner, and I know a number, all of you Model X owners out there right now are nodding as you hear me saying this. You're all nodding, I guarantee it. They all love it. Everybody loves that feature. So, And, and I hear from, from people, from X owners, they miss it anytime that they drive a different car. So we'll see, the Cybertruck might have it. Uh, finally, there's one other little update for those of you interested in towing with the Cybertruck. We got a little update there. Uh, Tim, who does such a wonderful job. I, Tim is uh, AKA Everyday Astronaut, if you see Tim on Twitter. He, I would equate Tim, I don't know if Tim listens to the podcast. We follow each other on Twitter, but, and he's a great guy. Uh, and Tim, he's like, I would, I would say this, and I hope this doesn't come off as egotistical in any way, but I feel like Tim is like the me, but of SpaceX, where he's just like a really enthusiastic, pretty knowledgeable, like he cares about it a lot. So it's like, 
you know, we are we are like two sides of the same coin in the Elon verse, him for SpaceX and me for Tesla. But Tim certainly cares about Tesla, just as I also do care about SpaceX. And Tim uh, said to Elon, I would love it if the Cybertruck has a trailer camera input so your trailer or RV could have a backup camera on it. Improving visibility when towing and backing up also very helpful for FSD when towing. And Elon replied to Tim and said, how about a Wi-Fi camera link? So it sounds like that's going to be the solution that the Cybertruck uses. It sounds like you can get a camera that connects to the truck's internal system wirelessly to then be able to see on the screen what's behind you, uh, to see behind whatever you're towing there. So I know that's been a big question in uh, for those of you, the many folks out there who, are, who have Cybertruck reservations and are eager to get out there and start towing stuff. Also, see, I told you this was a huge Tesla Newsweek. In fact, I'm looking, it's been, I've been talking for 48 minutes straight. Uh, there might not be time for the Ride the Lightning hotline this week. We'll see. I'm going to keep going here because I've got, I've, believe it or not, I've still got a few stories. So, and I, I don't want to like leave these for next week because these are timely, like really cool things that you need to know. So this next tweet from Elon is about uh, V4 supercharging, or at least 3.5 at the very least, 300 kilowatt supercharging. He says, supercharger network is being upgraded to 300 kilowatt. So that will help. He was responding to somebody asking about faster charging speeds and faster charging rates overall, rather than just the peak charging charging uh, rate. And he said, three being upgraded to 300 kilowatts. So to put that in perspective, so we have the V3s now that are 250, which are great. 300, to give that a little extra context for you, that is double the peak charge rate of a V2 supercharger. That's probably the best way to think about that. And the better part, or at least the equally good part, is that that 300 will be, will be not paired like the V2 superchargers are. So if you are plugged into a, let's just call it V4, V4 supercharger, 300 kilowatts, you will always get your max charge rate even if there are other cars plugged in on either side of you. The big question is, will any cars in the existing fleet benefit from this upgrade or will it be something that only the new 4680 cell uh, vehicles, I'm talking about the Cybertruck, the Roadster, and the Model Y 2.0 that's gonna come out of Texas and Berlin are gonna be able to utilize. I tried asking Elon on Twitter that very question. Sadly, I did not get a response this time. But I will say, if anything in the existing fleet can do it, I actually think it won't necessarily be the three or the Y, but probably the new S and X, because they have the brand new revised 18650 chemistry and an improved cooling system, an improved thermal system as well. And we've already seen from the Plaid owners out there, they've done some charging, supercharging tests and they charge really quickly. They charge exceptionally well, as good or in fact, it seems like even a little bit better 
than any Model 3 or Model Y does in terms of their their uh, not just the peak charging rates the same 250k kilowatt excuse me, but their sustained charging rate stays higher and the cars charge the the new Model S charges very quickly. So we shall see. That is a big unanswered question. But I suppose I mean you can pretty well count on the 4680 cars to have it. The Cybertruck, the Roadster, the new Model Y. And it's really the unanswered question is, will anything that's on the road right now be able to take full advantage of 300 kilowatt supercharging? Speaking of the Model Y, new United States built, so new Fremont built Model Ys now have bioweapon defense mode in them. This comes via friend of the podcast, The Kilowatts, whom you can follow on Twitter at K-L-W-T-T-S. It's just kilowatts without any vowels. Posted a picture of it to prove it, although a friend of mine that works in deliveries and logistics also sent me some pictorial proof later in the week as well. But the kilowatts said on Twitter, new Tesla Model Ys are being built with bioweapon defense mode. This feature uses HEPA filters to provide hospital-grade air quality. It's been standard in the Model S and X for a while now, but this is the first time we're seeing it in a Model Y. This Y has a July 2021 build date. Doesn't appear to be on new Model 3s yet. Now, Shanghai-built Model Ys have had this for a while now, so this is another one where it is great to see it make its way to the U.S.-built cars as well. Uh, We have been... Uh, not, well, not just California, certainly a lot of the Western United States has uh, has suffered quite a bit in recent years with wildfires in you know mid to late summertime. We're, we're not far away from when that could start. I mean, it's, it's already started in certain places. And, and the, the air quality index will get you know to 150, 200. Uh, to, it gets real bad. And, and so having... Having, uh, if you're a Model Y buyer and and you're going to just have the bioweapon defense mode in your vehicle, that's, uh, that's pretty great for, for that unfortunate reality that we now face here in the, in the Western United States, uh, on more often than we'd like. But I do wonder if this is going to make its way to the Model 3, because we know that the bioweapon defense mode filter is physically large. But the Model Y is almost exactly the same size as the 3, particularly at the front end of the car. Although, the key difference, that if, if it doesn't come to the 3, I suspect it would be because of this. Remember, if you look at a 3 and a Y head-on, side-by-side, the Model Y is much taller at the front. Like, it's the front end of a Y looks like a, a Model 3 that's been kind of stretched upwards. So... Is the three going to have enough room to get the full bioweapon defense mode filter in there? I am not sure. We will see. But the bottom line here is this is really good news for any of you out there who are about to take delivery of a new Model Y. You might get, you will probably, let me say probably, because if, you're, if you've ordered and you're waiting, the odds are that your car is probably going to be built in July or later, depending on when your estimated delivery date is. But you will probably be getting an extra feature that's not even on the design studio yet that you weren't expecting. So that is good stuff right there. Now, speaking of taking delivery of a new Model Y, uh, this here is good news for Tesla, I guess. I mean, it's good news for them financially, but 
Bad news if you're trying to get your hands on a Model Y anytime soon. Q3's production, meaning July through September, uh, is sold out. Q3 is just a few weeks old. It's July 16th as I record this. It's around the 18th as you hear it. And Q3 production is sold out. If you go onto the Model Y design studio on Tesla.com right now, you will see that the delivery estimate shows as October. Now, it, or at least it does here in the San Francisco Bay Area where I'm at, which is somewhat telling since, I mean, I'm in the shadow of the factory and Tesla usually will do last second deliveries here. Sometimes, in fact, literally right off of the production line, that happened last Q4 at the very end of the year. So October here probably means October just about anywhere in the United States, I would presume, because it's, you know, this is here in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area is the one place where they might like if, if they think they can sneak you a car in that last week or last few days of the quarter, they might they might, you know, put that on your delivery estimate. But they're saying October. So that is uh, significant. Now, there's a caveat to this. The performance Model Y is showing an estimated delivery window of 7 to 11 weeks, which means we'll get it to you before the end of the quarter because that's 11 weeks from now, from when I record this, is right at the end of the quarter. So uh, presumably Tesla is, in fact, sold out for the quarter. But if you want to pay more for the performance model, which Tesla has a higher margin on, my, and this is this is me guessing. This is not fact. I want to make that clear. This is my hypothesis. But I believe that what Tesla is saying here with that performance model delivery estimate on the Y is that uh, Tesla will go ahead and allocate some of that sold out quarters production for you and your performance order and let you cut in ahead of somebody who orders a long range Y, which won't net Tesla quite as much profit because delivering more performance models in the quarter will goose Tesla's Q3 revenue a little bit, and it will make their average sale price, or ASP, as we hear it referred to on the earnings call and in the shareholder letter, it'll make that ASP look better for that earnings call and that shareholder letter. So that is that. Now, finally this week, yes, we finally come to the end of the news it is, wow, 58 minutes I've been talking. That might be a new show record. But anyway, uh, speaking of shareholders, Tesla's Q2 earnings call and shareholder letter is going to happen on Monday, July 26th. Now, what's interesting about this to almost no one except for me as I because <laughs> I keep an eye on this stuff and I cover it every single quarter is that they are going with a Monday for the second quarter in a row here. And I wonder what the reason for that is. I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. In fact, it gives me the whole week to get my usual quarterly highlights and analysis episode. Uh, get that ready instead of just a couple days, which is what I have when it's done on when they have that earnings call on a Wednesday, as they traditionally have. I suspect it's probably something as simple as just Elon's schedule changed. So now they're doing these on Mondays, but... Who knows if I ever, I guess I'll have to ask him if I ever get a chance again, but 
expect profit once again, certainly, because we know that Tesla delivered another record number of cars for Q2, as you heard last week. So again, look for my usual highlights and analysis package on episode 313 in two weeks from now. And that's it. I am finally done talking. It is, wow, 59 minutes. So that, I mean, that's the show. I I want to be respectful of your time. So I've got a bunch of excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls queued up. I'm going to save them for next week because, uh, you know, I don't want this to be a two-hour thing. You've got lives. You've got things to do. I want you to hear the whole show, enjoy the whole show. But feel free to keep your calls coming. I do. I, I welcome them. I love hearing from you guys. Don't think that just because I'm not doing the hotline calls this episode that I don't care about them. I care about them a lot. I think they add a lot to the show. So again, I'll just give you the, the quick reminder. There are two easy ways to call in if you want to be a part of the podcast here in the Ride the Lightning hotline. You can record your question using your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many each week as possible. And you can email that file to me at the email address teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same call and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That number is toll-free and it's one 888 989-8752. Again, that's one 989 tsla And with that, I'm not quite done. I've been talking a lot, but let me come back. Quick five-second, whatever, however long this bumper is. Quick musical little break here, and I'll come back and do the pro tip of the week and a little bit more for you right after this. Before I get to the pro tip of the week this week, let me give you an entertainment recommendation. I was talking about DeLorean earlier, and I was specifically mentioning John DeLorean's autobiography. Well, if you don't want to read that whole thing, I actually would really recommend uh, watching the following film on Netflix. It's called Framing John DeLorean, and it is a sort of docudrama that does, I think, a really good job of telling a pretty even-handed story about about John DeLorean and the the awesome, incredible, inspiring things he did and the not great things he did as well. Uh, really, his his son is uh, kind of the 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 character that I not a character in a, I mean a fictional. He's a real person, but his son really uh, came away as the 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 big victim in the whole thing. I thought I was I really. That was the most interesting part of the film for me was seeing how the entire DeLorean motor company and car saga affected his son, who was very young at the time. And anyway, framing John DeLorean on Netflix, it stars Alec Baldwin in in because they have they have interviews with the real people, with a lot of the real people. In fact, uh, DeLorean's passed away. If if you're wondering, he passed away in 2005. But um, there's, so there are interviews with real people, but there are also reenactments of things that happened in DeLorean's life and career. And Alec Baldwin plays John DeLorean, and boy, they put some prosthetic makeup on him, and uh, and Alec really got the voice down. Like it's Alec, the, the the performance is phenomenal. So check that out if you're curious to learn more about the John DeLorean story. 
All right, pro tip of the week time. Here's Gil from San Diego. Ryan, Gil from San Diego. I have a pro tip for you, and this is actually one I just learned of recently uh, after three years of owning the car. Um, I had taken the aero hubcaps off of my Model 3 um, and you know never thought about it and always saw them on the visualization of the car on the screen. turns out that if you go into your car menu and then go to service and then wheel configuration, you can actually uh, select the aero cap kit and it'll show the wheels without the aero covers. Uh, I'm told or I've heard that it also adjusts the algorithm on your range to take into account the sort of less efficient wheel configuration. I don't know if that's true, but um, that's what somebody told me. But it looks a lot better now, and I can actually see the car the way it looks, so it's kind of a cool little thing. Um, again, my buddy with the Model Y that just got it, who also removed his caps, did not have that option on the list of wheel configurations, but I'm guessing that hopefully that will be coming soon. Thanks, Gil. Yes, that is a menu that I would imagine most people have probably never looked at because you really don't need to. But if you go into service and then push wheel configuration, you can choose whatever you've got, unless obviously it's an aftermarket setup. But yeah, even my zero G wheels are in there. So I'm able to have that on my little in-car render. Appreciate you calling in with this one, Gil. And again, if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, something interesting, something not obvious about your car that you'd like to share with your fellow owners and enthusiasts, you can call in the same way that you call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline. I gave you those instructions a little earlier in the podcast. And with that, it is time to give some plugs, give some, uh, hopefully we can help each other here. Some of these vendors and products can be of use to you. And uh, by buying them, in some cases, you can help me out as well. So let me start with abstractocean.com, the Costco of fine Tesla aftermarket accessories. And I say that in the most complimentary way possible. They've got a ton of stuff for all four Teslas. Check them out, abstractocean.com, whether it's the tempered glass screen protectors for the three and the Y, they've got the center console wrap kits in different styles, different designs. They've got uh, the dash, actually, for the three and the Y, the dash trim. There's wrap kits for that if you want to change the look. All kinds of stuff. You got to take a look, abstractocean.com. And if you do and you find some stuff you like, pile it all in your shopping cart and then at checkout, put in the coupon code RTL Podcast without any spaces in it, RTL Podcast, and you will get 15% off of your first order. Thank you to abstractocean.com. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL, that's the very simple URL to use for your one-stop shop on the dash cam and sentry mode. That's all you need. Puretesla.com slash RTL. 49 bucks will get you the 128 gigabyte micro SD based USB solution. It's going to work long term. I love it. I use it. It's great. And it's free shipping anywhere in the US. If 128 gig isn't enough for you, you want some more space on that Sentry drive, you can get the 256 gigabyte card, I should say, kit, whatever. There we go. Kit. That's what I'm looking for. 256 gigabyte kit for $69. Again, free shipping anywhere in the U.S. So go to puretesla.com slash RTL. How about 
my friends at Jada. They've got a whole family line of products now. I'm partial to the wireless charging pad for the Model 3. For those of you who don't have it built in, which is basically anybody but the 2021. So 2020 on back with the Model 3. Highly recommend the now fourth iteration that they sell of the Model 3 wireless charging pad. They've also got the USB hub console. They've got the Jada tray, which I've got in my car now and really like that has some, uh, you know, it's nice organized the tr- your, your center console storage, but also has wireless charging for your smartwatch and your, uh, your, like your Apple AirPods or AirPods or Pixel Buds. Why I combined those two words on accident and that didn't go well. Apple AirPods. I'm not quite sure what that is, but it doesn't sound like a great product. Anyway, <laughs> there's also the Jada USB SSD drive. That's cool too. Or the USB hub even as well. Just take a look at all of it. Please use my referral link here. If you do that uh, in return, I'll give you a coupon code for a discount. So the referral link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. And that coupon code I promised is simply RTL. So check them out. Jada, they've got a bunch of great stuff for your Model 3 and or Model Y. And then I think is that, ah, Immaculate Reflections, of course, taking wonderful care of any car that comes into the shop. Uh, he, I follow Jeff uh, with Immaculate Reflections. I follow the Immaculate Reflections Instagram account. And so he's, you know, Jeff's got pictures of, of all the cars that come in and uh, like he just had a full size, like F-150 truck, just huge. And it's like, man, the hours that he must put in and it had been left out. Actually, unfortunately, speaking of wildfires, it had been left out and had like, uh, ash caked into it, which he was saying is actually really bad for the paint. And if it's left for a while and he did a paint correction on this thing, it looked brand new. It looked absolutely, it was incredible. So if you want to do a paint correction on your Tesla and or paint protection film and or ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the thing for the next three to five years, any of it, all of it, if you're going to be in these greater San Francisco Bay Area with your car, you're going to want to get in and see Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. He will take phenomenal care of your car and he'll help take care of you because if you just mention to him, hey, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener, He's got a nice little discount waiting for you. So you can book in with Jeff or just look, find out more on his website, which is irdetailing.com. And I think that's about it. If you are not already subscribing slash following slash whatever it is you do on major podcast services now to whatever they're calling it so that it downloads to you every week, please do that. So then the show just finds you every week instead of you having to seek it out. I'm on pretty much all the major podcast services. Apple Podcast is the big one, but Google Podcast as well, and Stitcher, and TuneIn, which is in your Tesla, and Spotify, which is also in your Tesla, so you can listen natively through either of those apps. I'm also on YouTube. It's just audio only. There's there's no cute dog to look at. I apologize, but... You can listen there if you just want to do your listening on YouTube. Just Google, or excuse me, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube 
you'll easily find my channel and you can subscribe to that there. Well, that'll about wrap it up again. You can follow me if you like on social media. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on both Twitter and Instagram with Instagram being where it's just all Tesla all the time. So check that out if you are interested. Again, you can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you're a video gamer, check me out at my day job, IGN.com, because this week, this past week that we've just finished, had a couple of really, really fun projects, the highlight of which being the reveal of Steam Deck, which if you're familiar with Valve, Valve is a company that makes Half-Life. They also do Portal. They also do Team Fortress. They also do Steam, like they're responsible for Steam if you're a PC gamer. They are very heavily entrenched and highly respected in the in the PC gaming space. Well, they've just announced a handheld gaming PC. It looks like a Nintendo Switch, except bigger uh, in a good way. Not that the Switch is tiny in a bad way. I'm not trying to say that. But anyway, I got to go to Valve last week. I was there. I was in uh, Bellevue for two days last week, getting to see this thing, experience it, do interviews with the Valve development team, and and actually getting to publish all that on IGN this week and watching the internet's reaction to it. Because uh, they were, I mean, when I first, when Valve first told me about it, I was like, get out of here. I was so pleasantly surprised by what they were doing and seeing the community's reaction has been really fun too. So if that is of interest, we've got a ton of exclusive coverage on the Steam Deck on IGN.com or you could always search on our YouTube too which is youtube.com slash IGN. But anyway, that'll about do it. I want to say thank you and hello to all of the Patreon backers at the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tiers. Let me start with the Maximum Plaid crew and a welcome back and a hello to our newest Maximum Plaid backer, Matt Kalen. Matt had been uh, with me previously. Great to see your name Back in my uh, back on the Patreon list, Matt. Thank you very, very much for your support once again. Along with the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa. Oh, and my voice is going. Here we go. I told you I talked for 59 minutes straight. I don't think I've ever done that on the podcast without taking a break. But uh, let's see. This is an ultimate torture test for my voice here this week. Uh, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, MT, Will Stedman, Tyler Smith, Mait Suaru, Derek Nessel wrote Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, and Alex Brem, along with the aforementioned Matt Kalen. Thank you all so very much. The Roadster in Space crew, hello and thank you to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, and Crafty Geek. Thank you all very much. And certainly the Plaid crew as well. Thank you to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, 
Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners Club of the East Bay, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Joshua Walker, and Rick Dean. Thank you all so very much for supporting my efforts on the Patreon. That really, I should say, that is, again, I say it every week, I try to say it humbly and politely, but that is the ultimate way you can support the podcast. It's voluntary, it's it's totally, you know, optional, it's never going to be like a, a paywall, gated off thing for the regular podcast, but as is hopefully evident week in and week out, I do put a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of enthusiasm and thought and love into this. So if you are willing and able to support me, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, uh, I would very much appreciate it if you would consider pledging on Patreon. You can find all the Patreon tiers and information on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The, the pledge tiers start at just five bucks a month or 57 for a one one payment, one for the year. If you just want to do the, the, the $5 tier, but in a one-time annual payment, you get a little 5% discount on any of those So as you go up too. So if you want to do the maximum plaid tier, uh, you could do that, any of them. You can do annually and you'll get a 5% discount for doing the annual payment versus the monthly payment. So I humbly and kindly ask that at some point in time, that you might uh, consider a pledge on Patreon. That will finally wrap it up. I promise I've talked a lot this episode. I promise next week I will hear from you guys in the Ride the Lightning hotline. I've got a ton of great calls queued up already, but again, I invite you to keep calling in if you have a comment on any of this week's topics or anything else. You know, there was a lot to talk about this week between the the Cybertruck and the no door handles and the full self-driving subscription and the full self-driving Beta 9 videos that are out and about. So there's a ton to talk about. I look forward to hearing from you. We'll do the Ride the Lightning hotline next week. Get your voices back on the show where they belong. But for now, I'm going to sign off here. For a sleeping Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 311, and I will see you all again next week. Happy electric motoring. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.